The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be and give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. Welcome, everyone, to the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, with the following great features. First off, Miguel, our key. Uh, Remember real estate. Remember real estate. Yes, we are now at our 10th key. We are almost wrapped up for this season. I can't believe it. Uh, So we are going to learn all about what it takes to become a real estate investor or a real estate owner. And we're going to talk to uh, the affordability portion of the process. Now, this week um, on our companion show at unlockyourwealthradio.com, we have a really great topic-driven show about real estate. And specifically, we're going to talk about why you need to be hiring a real estate professional to handle your transactions. And uh, number two, that we're going to tell you how to interview them. The questions that you should be asking to determine whether or not they're the right fit for you. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And it all has to do with brain-based financial literacy. There are things that you need to know when it comes to real estate, ownership, investing, and the process. And it's bigger than the scope of this week's key. So that's why we have to have it in a separate show, Mm -hmm. because this week's key is about how it's connected to the financial philosophy and the process that we've been going through this whole time because we're closing in on the end. There's only 13 of these guys and number 13, you'll never finish because that's just like a homework assignment for the rest of your life. (laughs) But ideally, you know, we're moving through a process here and uh, remember real estate is an extremely important key. So if you want to learn how to shop for a real estate professional and why, so I, I wanted to pay special attention to it because it's Real Estate Week in our key. And so if you surf over to unlockyourwealthradio.com or listen to it uh, on any of the apps that we're on, iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk, Libsons, wherever you find us and listen to us, that's where you'll find this week's show. And it'll be on Friday because this is a Monday show. So at the end of the week, you can look forward to that, but it'll give you a chance to marinate on the information today and start doing the homework from today's show and seeing if you are now poised for real estate ownership or investment. And that's what you're going to learn how to do on today's episode. We also have a really great moolah word of the day. And uh, are we ready for that? 
Well, I think so. Are you ready for that? Well, anyway, so moolah word of the day, shall we, is real estate. Because let's clarify specifically what we're talking about and what's included or what can be negotiated for. There's a key thing. And then this is also a Friday deal. So real estate is property comprised of land and the buildings on it, as well as the natural resources of the land, including uncultivated flora and fauna, which are plants, farmed crops and livestock, water and minerals. Although media often refers to the real estate market from the perspective of residential living, real estate can be grouped into broad categories based on its use. Residential commercial and industrial. And there's a fourth that mm-hmm. they haven't discussed and that's raw land right. that, that hasn't, it may be zoned for those things, but it hasn't been utilized. Yeah. So that's raw land. Uh, examples of residential real estate include undeveloped land. Oh, that's so funny in the Investopedia thing. Houses, condominiums, and townhomes. Examples of commercial real estate are office buildings, warehouses, and retail store buildings. An example of industrial real estates are factories, mines, and farms. So, uh, one of the interesting things, so let's just add like a couple of extra words in here while we're at it. So personal property includes intangible property like stock bonds and other investments. It also includes chattels like computers, beds, and clothes, as well as fixtures like the dishwashing machine in your apartment. If you bought it and installed it with the lessor's permission, uh, real estate is a special instance of property of real property, which is the real estate, the land and the buildings, plus the rights of use and enjoyment that come with the land and its improvements. So for example, um, uh, like if you have crops, you know, the crops can be referred to as emblems, but those may not transfer with the sale. Uh, things like cows and, and other, uh, Things like furniture um, or removable fixtures that don't convey can are considered chattel. And for real estate appraisal, those things are usually separated out. So if it's like an income producing property, the, you know, like say it's a working farm, whether it's a dairy farm or, you know, a cattle farm for the production of meat products, uh, those things will be evaluated differently. Um, so, so the chattel is... It, is anything not attached to the structures of the land? So it has nothing to do with, with livestock. It could be livestock, but it also, you know, it's a generalized term for anything that's not attached, okay. not permanently affixed, because there are temporary fixtures too. You know what I mean? Things that you put up that you can take back down. This is what we're going to learn about in Friday's show because it's it's particular because you can't make assumptions about what conveys when you go to look at a piece of property. Mm-hmm. I, and I was surprised when I bought this piece of raw land that I actually got the mineral rights and I got, which is something strange in Arizona to have, is water rights. Nice. I have water rights and mineral rights to my land. Water rights are different. Those don't necessarily go with the land. Like if there's like a wash, oh, a see. natural wash, I, I would have rights to the water crossing my property. I, I could dam it up. I could... Nice. You know what I mean? I could do things with the water, you know, because I have the right to water. And in, in, in Arizona, it's first in time, first in line. So, um, so that's, so, and not all rights 
to those types of things convey. So let's say, you know, um, let's say I'm a, a farmer, you know, and I'm growing like crops of corn or whatever. I can sell uh, my land without selling the implements, which would be considered the crops mm-hmm. of that. I could hold that back, you know, so... Um, and then, and then once, once I harvest then, then I'd be done with the land. Let's say, you know, I'm pinched and I need some cash. I can sell my land without the implements so I can still make the revenue of, uh, on the existing crop, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, just, I, I know that these are not normal things, but you can translate those same things to residential real estate or commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about, you know, asset transfer and what's included and what's not. And so you always want to ask what's included, you know, especially if there's something like you're going through the house and there's something spectacular that you really like, like a chandelier, and it may not convey. It might be in the plano that a real estate agent sees, but they may not uh, notice it. They may not, you know, depending on how good of a real estate professional you have, they may not know to ask for it. It could be like a family heirloom that's not conveying that they do not intend. Maybe they'll replace it with a chandelier of like kind, or they'll give you a credit for a chandelier. So even though it's a fixture, which would typically transfer that particular fixture will not like, for example, when, when I was showing our townhome, in our master bath, or not master bath, but our um, entry bath, the guest bath, the, I had my grandfather's mirror in there. And so I had a sticky note on there that says, this does not convey, you know, in case a realtor showed it without me. And and I always said, there will be a mirror of similar quality to replace it. But you have to provide him with a mirror? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. But if a fixture, if it's a fixture... And it's attached to the house. It technically conveys, you know, so like window treatments and things like that traditionally convey, but I've sold property that that stuff should convey. It wasn't explicitly said that it was going to be removed and then come in and everything was stripped, you know, fixtures, drapery, faucets, plumbing, like just ridiculous things that they took. You know, and, uh, you know, it it resulted in a small claims lawsuit for for them because they refused to replace them. They refused to put the stuff that was there back, you know, and our clients needed to move. So we had to do some quick, fancy dancing and appease them just to get them in. Yeah. You know, because they, they didn't want it to hang up the transaction. They still wanted the house, but they were very, very disappointed. It just really crapped out the experience. I had my contractors go in and, and fill it with stuff so it could function, you know, but it was just a really nasty kind of deal. So, yeah. again, this is what we're going to talk about on Friday's show because we don't want to get too hung up in that. Uh, so, today we are going to talk about real estate investment. Um, And today's key, remember, real estate is part of our overall financial freedom plan. So it's not about real estate, but it's about financial freedom. And so we're going to talk about the numbers of real estate because people always say, you know, well, you know, I don't know if, if, uh, I can afford a house. I don't know if I have good enough credit. That's what last week's show was for to talk about the, the credit layer of risk when it comes to underwriting. And you always want to shop for your mortgage first. And we should probably do a topic driven show about how to shop for a mortgage Mm -hmm. to get the right mortgage for you. 
But you also, you want to get all of that pre-approval process, not pre-qual, pre-approval, done before you start looking for real estate. Uh, Because there's nothing worse when you're shopping for real estate and you're trying to buy too much home and you get your heart fixated on something you can't afford. So you need to reel it back. You need to reel it back and you need to do it in order. But today's show in our Remember Real Estate Key is about affordability. And so we're going to talk about affordability from a different perspective, because some people can max out your ratios and tell you how much you qualify for. And you're like, holy crap. But that doesn't mean you should buy that house, but it gets you thinking in that direction. And so we don't want to go there. We want to know what we can afford on our own and we can calculate that to the penny by ourselves. So that's what we're going to talk about on today's show, because this will help us understand how close to or far away from we are from beginning real estate homeownership or real estate investment or both. It depends. It depends on where you are. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We are so glad you stopped by. Hopefully you will get some tremendous value out of today's show. Michael and I are going to do our best to bring that to you. Let's talk about, for you first timers, what is the Keys to Riches? The Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques like today's real estate technique to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this one key at a time, one week at a time here at, Unlo- at Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. <laughs> This segment is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Keys to Riches radio listeners by visiting our website at keystoriches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So as I'm moving forward in today's episode, and we're talking specifically about our Remember Real Estate Key, let's talk about how it fits into uh, last week's key, with which was Create Credit. So last week, we talked about the what goes into a quality credit profile. So two trade lines, 24 months, zero lates if you're going with VA or FHA. Uh, If you are going with a conventional mortgage, you need four trade lines for 24 months, no lates. And if you want to know more about credit quality and that sort of stuff, just visit our website at keystoriches.com and and check out last week's show. So uh, that is one of the four layers of risk an underwriter uses to evaluate whether or not you qualify for the opportunity of a home mortgage. So we're going to talk about the other three today, and then we're going to go specifically on the underwriting guidelines that FHA, VA, and the uh, Fannie and Freddie use to determine your affordability, whether or not you can afford the mortgage uh, for the home that you're applying for. And So let's talk first about what we call the four layers of risk. This is what an underwriter uses to determine affordability and to give him the confidence to say yes to your application. So as we're looking at affordability, it's part of what he finds in this 
the four layers of risk. They're also known as the four C's. And they're called layers of risk for a reason because you don't need to be 100% in every category, but they have to layer in such a way that they give the underwriter the confidence to make the bet on you. This is why credit score is not as super important as people think it is because there's more that goes on when it comes to underwriting. So as uh, as an underwriter, a former underwriter, well, I'm a current underwriter because I have a lending company. I just don't, I do some home loans, but mostly I do uh, vehicle loans. Um, so w- as an underwriter, I need you to make me feel comfortable. So I'm going to look for the four C's. Those are character, capacity, capital, and collateral. So character is the layer of risk that refers to our credit rating. How you have paid your bills in the past is likely how you will pay your bills in the future. Okay. And we determine that by your credit report. Okay. So we're going to pull a three bureau because not every uh, creditor reports to every bureau. So we're going to pull a three bureau. Um, And depending on the types of credit and and what we're applying for, whether it's commercial credit um, for commercial purchases or we're um, doing commercial purchases or residential real estate that's got personal guarantees, we want to look at the individuals that are applying for the loan. So everybody that's involved in qualifying will have to put up their credit report. The next layer of risk is capacity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Can you afford this property? And this has to do with ratios, and we'll talk about those in a minute. The next layer of risk is capital. I need skin in the game. I need you to be as invested or more than I am in order for me to say yes to loaning you money. Because if you have something to lose, it's likely you'll maintain the payments. And so that's what I need to know. So that capital is covered by two criteria. And that is first, how much money are you going to put down as a down payment? And second, how much money you have left over in cash reserves to make that payment. If you blow your wad on the down payment and don't have anything left and you're living paycheck to paycheck, no emergency fund is essentially I'm looking for an emergency fund. Then, well, it's going to just, it's going to take you down a notch. When I go to look at the underwriting guidelines, you have no reserves. Well, I know what the default rate is and how high it is when you don't have cash reserves. Okay. What is the default rate? Um, it's going to be like 30% Wow! if you don't have skin in the game yeah, because it's easy to walk. Sure. It's easy to walk. And, you know, people, you know, it again, with the biology-based approach to money management, you know, our brain has these processes called biases. And a brain bias is simply a shortcut that the brain will take to make a decision but it's flawed. Some work, some don't. All right, let's give a great and tragic example. The normalcy bias, okay? So the normalcy bias is like, this is akin to us uh, staying in denial about something. All right, so even though there might be chaos around us, we're going to just kind of shut it out and say, everything's cool, everything's calm, everything's normal. 
And that's what happened and why so many people died in 9-11 is because they thought it's another fire drill. This happens all the time. I can finish getting my coffee. There's no hurry. Until like the building started to shake and things started falling apart. And by the, but once it was collapsing on their heads. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, so when, when we get in a pinch, we, f- we usually flake on the biggest payment first because we're worried about living day to day. So we maintain our credit cards. It's the stupidest thing in the world. If you had to strategically default, your dwelling is the most important thing to save, but it's the last thing. We always will get behind on our mortgage, but our credit cards, our Walmart store card, our Victoria's Secret card will always be paid. And I'm not saying that just to be funny. I'm I'm serious of all of the. I mean, you I have some really funny underwriting stories just from what I can discern from a credit report. I was able to weave together a story about these people well before I met with them. And then what do you know? The story was true. The story was true. It was unbelievable. Uh, So, um, and and I was just kind of being funny because, you know, like in my mind, like, you know, we do things to entertain ourselves and, you know, uh, underwriting can be kind of dry and mundane. So I always like to make things entertaining. Like when my brother and I were kids and we had to pick up the dog poop, we created this game called Pooskitball. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And one of them was filling it straight up in the air and the other one would try to catch it. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> sometimes it wasn't so clean. <clears throat> it would get a little messy there. Yeah. But um, anyway, so like the brain does these things, uh, these, these brain biases. So um, uh, anyway... Uh, so the next layer of risk, and the only one we really don't have control over, is the collateral. How much is the the property worth? And it's not what you think it's worth. It's not what the market will bear. It's, it's not willing buyer, willing seller negotiating freely in an open market. It's only worth what it's worth. Okay, just because somebody will overpay for a property doesn't make it worth that much more. And prices are rising right now, but it's an inventory situation again, like what happened in 2005. So we're going to keep tabs on the marketplace. I was just asked to write an article on the state of the real estate market right now. Um, And I was doing some homework and that's, you know, that's what I discerned. I'm like, oh, we're getting into a value issue here again. And it's not a true appreciation. So anyway, so the layer of risk that we need to concern ourselves with and you need to concern yourself with, first off, go to keystoriches.com and download, put in the search bar, the affordability worksheet so you can start following along and determine what your affordability is. So we're going to address this by using this worksheet to determine how close to or far away from real estate investment we are. So capacity has to do with your income and your debts. And what we're looking for is whether or not what it says you owe on your credit report plus any alimony child support or separate payments that you're required to by the courts uh, or any judgments or liens that you're required to pay um, all get pulled off 
your total debt ratio and your affordability. So there's two ratios. There's your housing ratio that talks about um, what's involved in your house payment, but it's not just your house payment. It's your uh, mortgage, your principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and association fees, if anything. And if you're here in the West Coast or West part of the country, we have tons of homeowners associations. So Ideally, you want to have between 28 or 29% for your housing ratio. So that's the most your mortgage payment and all those other fees can be. And then your total debt ratio needs to be between 36 to 41%, depending on whether you're going commercial, I'm sorry, conventional or um, uh, government financing. And then, um, so which essentially leaves you 8 to 12% superfluous debt, non-mortgage debt. And so that 10 to 12% or that 8 to 12% and it's higher for FHA and VA loans because affordability is an issue because you're usually dealing with lower incomes. And so um, the ratios are looser because you might have the same obligations as as somebody else with the same income. uh, But uh, or I'm sorry, you might have the same obligations as somebody else, but have different income. And so they'll affect your ratios differently. So if you carry more than eight to 12% of your monthly outgo in credit card, car payments, student loans, installment loans, various other stuff over and above, if you're over and above that eight to 12% number, then you're going to lose mortgage affordability. You don't get to expand the back end ratio of the total debt. It eats away at your home affordability. All right. And so to give you just a quick example of what that would look like is if your affordability, so let's say uh, 36 is the cap and with your total debt, um, you're at 40%. You don't get to... Just to say, oh, I'm, I'm over a little bit. No. So your housing ratio that was 28% now goes to 24% of your monthly income. And so they operate off of gross income. So not, so before taxes, so whatever your gross pay is, is how they calculate this. But you don't want to do it that way. This is why we have a biology-based money management show. Whatever you're currently paying in rent, or in an existing mortgage, you need to ask yourself, am I comfortable with this payment? Because it might be lower than what your max affordability is. Your lifestyle is also something you need to take into account. If your lifestyle says that you like to travel and go out and about routinely, um, and you're an event person or you're a stuff person, burying yourself in too big of a mortgage is going to keep you from being happy. And so that house is going to represent a problem for you instead of a solution. So these are the questions you have to ask yourself. How much am I willing to give up to be in this house? Because if I spend the 400 bucks a month that I'm used to traveling around in on housing, that means I can't travel. 
I can't go somewhere once a month to some weekend getaway. That's gone. I can't go to the day spa. That's gone. No more golfing trips with a buddy. That's gone. Are you willing to give that up to have a bigger house? And people don't think about that. They think about, oh yeah, well, I could afford a bigger payment, but they don't think about it in in terms of opportunity cost. What am I giving up to get this larger house? So the first question you need to ask is, what am I currently spending for housing? And am I comfortable with that? Am I contributing to my retirement fund and my emergency funds? If the answers are no, then you definitely can't increase your housing obligation. Ultimately, it's just a roof over your head. Now, if you are the party person and if your place is where everybody comes on the weekends to hang out, you're hosting game night, you're hosting the fights, and you don't go places, people come to you, then perhaps it might be okay to expand that again, but only if you are appropriately contributing to retirement and emergency funds and that you're willing to change some of the quality of life expenditures for that. But you must be meeting your 3-5 financial plan first. So that's your five areas of concern. So have I addressed spending? Have I addressed investing? Have I addressed my retirement concerns? All my insurance needs, are those all being met? Because if not, then you need to take that into account before ever obligating yourself to a home because a home is more work than you think. It is not the panacea. Renting might not give you tax advantages, but you're not making, you're not doing lawn care. You're not maintaining the property when things break, you know, so there's a lot of advantages to being a renter that you have to ask yourself, am I willing to give this up to have a home just to say I'm a homeowner because the tax offset might not be enough. And so those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. So be sure to visit the website at keystoriches.com and search for that um, affordability worksheet. And then that will help you determine how close to or far away from you are and what specifically you need to do. Do I need to pay down debt? Do I need to eliminate debt? Do I need to start saving in order to come up with that uh, collateral or come up with the capital piece of my real estate homeownership investment? So that what you can do is with that worksheet, It'll also tell you uh, where you are, what you can qualify for today, but it'll back you into the home price using an interest rate and a down payment amount. So it's really a cool little worksheet for you to download and use. So, and that's uh, my gift to you to create financial freedom for you and your family. Thanks so much for stopping by for the key statement, key affirmation, and key action item. Visit keystoreaches.com. And for the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.